Hey, Mike here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Dark Poutine early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. You're about to listen to a historical episode of Dark Poutine. After episode 149, you will find Scott is no longer with the show. In an effort to maintain continuity and offer listeners as many episodes as possible, we are leaving the episodes in which he co-hosted intact. Thank you. Welcome to Dark Poutine. I'm Mike Brown, creator and host with me as usual is my good friend and co-host Scott Hemingway. Say hello, Scott. Hello, Mike. Oh, hi. Hi. Oh, you're talking to me I'm today. directly and looking at you as <laughs> I say it. It's amazing. It's beautiful. With our new boom arms for our microphones. Yeah, and... listen, I'm moving it right now. Oh, yeah. You, yeah, but you bumped it. Now I'm not. Yeah, you just keep, well, you keep bumping it. The point is, it's silent. It's silent. Unless I'm touching it. <laughs> the views, information, and opinions expressed during the Dark Poutine podcast are solely those of the producer and do not necessarily represent those of Curious Cast, its affiliate Global News, nor their parent company, Chorus Entertainment. Dark Poutine is not for the faint of heart or squeamish. Listener discretion is strongly advised. We are not experts on the topics we present, nor are we journalists. We're two ordinary Canadians chatting about crime and the dark side of history. Let's get to it. Put on your toque. Grab yourself a double-double and an Nanaimo bar. It's time to scarf down some dark poutine. Florida. Florida, it's coming. It is coming fast. Yeah, it's around the corner. We booked your flight there because yeah. Carol and I had our flights booked already. So talk to my future boss already. It's all a go. And oh, that's excellent. So yeah, it's it. It's uh, all. I, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but yeah. it was it was a, an expression that's used a lot. <laughs> Full speed ahead. <laughs> I, that's it. I was going to say all steams aboard. <laughs> Like, what the hell does that mean? Oh, All steam's aboard. You know that marijuana is legal here in Canada. <laughs> I know, sadly, that's not what's happening no. with me. No. Oh, well. All steam's aboard. So if you're going to go to CrimeCon and you don't have your tickets yet, A, it happens between May 1st and May 3rd, 2020 in Orlando, Florida. That's right. And you can get 10% off your ticket purchase if you use Poutine 2020 at checkout and i don't see why you wouldn't why not like you're already going to spend money to come and hang out with us why not spend less exactly that's pretty uh that's it's a win-win it's pretty much science <laughs> this is really bad economic science <laughs> you know maybe it's better than what's going on with the economy right now let's that's not right. even talk about that yeah oh yeah uh, come hang out with us in our Facebook group, The Yumber Yard. Just search for The Yumber Yard or Dark Poutine in groups. Come join us. Yeah, hang and, out with and, us. And don't be a dildo. 
And uh, guess what? We can call ourselves an award-winning show now. I know. I know. Two, two time. <laughs> T- twice. In the yeah. same uh, uh, award place. Oh, boy. I know. So we won two Canadian <laughs> podcast awards, one in the category of Outstanding True Crime Series yep. and another in Outstanding Documentary. Yeah. The competition was pretty tough in both categories, and uh, we won out over shows that continue to inspire us and are excellent yeah. At what they do. Yeah, it's mind-blowing, especially when you see who you're up against and you're like, oh, wow. How did we, how did <laughs> that happen? Jesus. I couldn't even, like, I couldn't even vote. It's not like I padded, ah, I'm no. voting for, I couldn't. They, 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 no. Yeah. So we're honored just to be nominated at all and we didn't expect to win. Let alone twice. Uh, we're seriously blown away. Yeah. Thanks to everyone who voted for us and thanks to PodCamp Toronto for putting the event together. Absolutely. And we're also happy to see other Curious Cast shows winning as well. History of the 90s mm-hmm. took home two awards in both the Outstanding Production and Outstanding Debut categories. Sweet, well good on them. Yeah, and the Super Awesome Science Show won an award as Outstanding Educational Series. Yep. But not a Curious Cast show, but no less awesome. Our friends Jeff and Daniel of the Fear of Science podcast yeah. won in the Science category. Which was awesome. I just spent so much time hanging out with them at... Uh, the fan expo. And so, yeah, it was so great to see like a week later that they're also winners. Such good guys. They are a couple of excellent eggs. Great show. I was able to vote and I did vote for them. Oh, good. Of course I did. Yeah, good. Yeah. Maybe next year I can vote. (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. They said you weren't, they (laughs) They, couldn't prove you were part of the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. They said you might want to, like their helpful tips were make sure that you're listed on the show website that you're on this is, i'm just like just you didn't even all of those things you, were present you by didn't the way. google my name no. like but whatever we won congratulations to all the winners and nominees in every category ain't it nice to see hard work pay off it really is so enough of that let's get on with the show Due to the province's small size and close-knit communities, when anyone is murdered in Nova Scotia, it's big news. Mm -hmm. When the murder victim is a pretty female off-duty police officer, the amount of media attention and public interest in the case is off the charts. I would imagine so. When Truro Police Constable and former volunteer firefighter Catherine Campbell was found dead under a Halifax bridge after she had been missing for a few days, the story just blew up. Jeez. This is episode 114, The Murder of Constable Catherine Campbell, Sex, Lies, and Surveillance Video. Oh, well, sounds riveting. We recently covered the death of another police officer, but this is much different. Constable Davidson from Abbotsford yep. died on duty and was murdered by a stranger. Yep. Catherine Campbell's story is quite different, but her death was no less a loss to her community, friends, and family. Just wasn't on duty. Exactly. Okay, fascinating. Catherine Ann Campbell was born on January 15th, 1979 at the Aberdeen Regional Hospital in Pictou County, Nova Scotia. She was the second child of three to Dwight and Susan Campbell of Stellarton. She has a sister, Amy, and a brother named Jarrett. According to the town's website, Stellarton, Nova Scotia was established in 1889, covers 8.99 square kilometers, and is home to 4,208 people. Small, small, small. It is not a large town. It's about half the size of Bridgewater, where I grew up, and that is a small town. Yeah. Damn. 
I mean no disrespect to the town or the story we're telling, but as a child, I remember thinking of this town's name as Skeleton. I'm not sure why, but I do recall giggling I, to myself about it. Skeleton, Skeleton, yeah, I can totally get that. Yeah. That's, I would, and I would be so down with calling it that. Exactly. If I was a kid, yeah. I learned through my research on this story that, as it was, and still is, a coal mining settlement, Stellarton, quote, owes its name to a specific type of torbonite, which came to be known as Stellarite because of the stars of fire given off by its sparky flame. Did you say Toblerone? Torbonite. Oh, oh, yeah, Torbonite. We all know Torbonite. Torbonite is also called boghead coal and is a mineral substance intermediate between oil shale and coal. Well, sure, we, uh, common sense. We <laughs> sure. all know that. Scott's a geologist, by yep. the way. Yep. Your uh, brother kind of is. Yeah, he's kind of. De- like an amateur yeah, rock hound. Yeah, he's really kind of uh, developed himself in the. Uh, yeah. In that, in that category. So the Sobeys Grocery Store calls Stellarton home, as do a few of its oh. subsidiary companies, oh, like neat. Big 8 Pop. Okay. It comes from, yeah. That one. Like a generic brand of cola. He had me at Pop. There you go. Author Leo McKay Jr. hails from Stellarton, and one of his works, published in 2013, is Roll Up the Rim, uh-huh. which, according to Goodreads.com, is, quote, a story of obsession, redemption, divine intervention, and donuts. <laughs> What the hell? It also calls it the great Canadian Tim Hortons novel. <laughs> Is that a Tim Hortons novel? Exactly. My God. I haven't read the book, but because of this glowing review on Goodreads, I think I do want I'm to. I'm most certainly interested, and I don't say that often about books. No. Catherine Campbell was raised to be community-minded and compassionate. Oh, sweet. She wanted to dedicate her life to serving the public, and she did just that. She followed in her father Dwight's footsteps to become a volunteer firefighter for the town when she was old enough. Her dad has been chief of the Stellarton Fire Department, and as of this writing, her brother Jarrett is its first captain as well. Oh, cool. So it's a family business being involved in the fire department. Yeah. By all accounts, Catherine was well-liked and loved helping people. A Canadian press report by Darren Pittman from the week Catherine was found quoted a Stellarton woman who had known Catherine in her capacity as a firefighter. Quote, She wasn't afraid to get into the fire, always had the energy in her, said Lagora McLeod, whose husband, Jim, was the former chief. Firefighters, uh, any law enforcement agent, they're, they're very unique people. Yeah. Well, it, it takes a very certain breed to... Uh, firefighter specifically to your job is to risk your life talking about volunteer firefighters yeah, so, here yeah so it's not a Which job for just... them at all they have their job at a nearby plant yep. or at the Sobeys warehouse or whatever yep and these volunteer firefighters don't get near enough praise for what they do no kidding. Uh, most firefighters in Nova Scotia are volunteers who put their lives on the line really? fighting fires responding to other emergencies every day really yeah Holy shit. My birth mom, Diane, yeah. is a volunteer firefighter. Wow. She has volunteered for years at Berwick, Nova Scotia Fire Department. Oh, wow. And even though she's retired from work, she still puts in a lot of time helping to manage the affairs of the department and keep the other firefighters in line. That's crazy. Yeah. She has her own bunker gear and everything. Oh, my God. That is amazing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah and I mean, they're saving our lives. Yeah. At 
their own risk and for nothing. Well, no financial to, to serve the community. Yeah, no financial yep. benefit. So that's wow. Mm -hmm. It's a whole other level of courage. And I amazing. have a lot of friends back there who are volunteer firefighters oh. as well. Catherine served her community at Stellarton Fire for ten years to going after her real dream to become a police officer. Catherine became a police constable in two thousand nine and had graduated in Squad 96 of Holland College's Atlantic Police Academy on Prince Edward Island. Mm. In June of 2015, three months before her murder, Catherine responded to a call that wasn't exactly typical policing. Her reaction was typical of her approach, though. Hmm. From the Truro Police Department's Facebook page, quote, Today, Truro Police Service received a call of a bird stuck in a tree and wrapped in fishing line at the Kiwanis Pond. Truro Fire was also dispatched. Constable Campbell arrived on scene and noticed the bird to be in distress. She made the quick decision and climbed the tree and successfully rescued the bird. The bird is a belted kingfisher who was fishing when he became tangled in a discarded fishing line. I was going to ask. He is now at the rehab center being checked out and will be released as soon as he is able to fly, end quote. And we've got a picture of yeah. uh, Catherine Campbell up per the tree. Perched in the tree. Now, I'll post it on darkpoutine.com in the show notes, but... The picture is kind of interesting. There's a few pictures of the bird, but here's this one of Constable Campbell high up in the yeah, pine tree, yeah. mostly obscured by branches as she worked her way toward the wounded bird. Wow. Kind of cool. Yeah, very cool. I was going to ask, I'm glad you mentioned, like, how the hell does a bird get caught in fishing line? But you, you explained it, Mike. Well, it, kingfishers are... In their name, they are fisher <laughs> birds. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, and which helps... Explain. Yeah, exactly. The confusion I had. In another post on their Facebook page, Truro Police Service referenced an email that they'd received from a grateful resident who had been positively impacted by Catherine Campbell's compassionate mm. and thoughtful approach to policing. Again, here we have another police officer who was a good example yep. of what a good police officer was. Yep. Here's the bulk of what the grateful Stellarton resident said. Quote, Near the end of February, I had a hit-and-run accident. Two guys had stolen a car in Cape Breton and were heading out of Truro very fast. I don't remember the accident with the exception of the aftermath, but they hit my car and I was spun around, airbags deployed. I had no idea what the hell they were when I lifted my head. Hmm. Making a long story short, it was a four-alarm accident. Police cars, ambulance, and fire trucks. To come to the point, it was dear Catherine Campbell who was my angel that day. She was so amazing at helping me and got me out of the car and was so comforting. She also called me the next day to see how I was. Hmm. Guess she knew it had been harder on me than I thought. She also helped me with my insurance, whom was being a real pain to deal with. She set them straight and I was so appreciative. I told her that day of the accident. I had thanked her so much, and I said to her, Catherine, I'm so glad you became a police officer. You were ordered for the job. She told me she appreciated the compliment so much, as she said, we rarely get told yeah, so. Yeah. I'll never forget her, end quote. Yeah, they're thankless jobs. They're, they, uh, it's a job where your mistakes are so highlighted. Yeah. You have one bad moment uh, well, there are bad apples. Oh, 
without a doubt there are but i mean it's you you have one bad day somebody puts it on the phone where you might have like told somebody i'll piss off or something and suddenly it's you know so you get beat on a lot for sure especially those few bad apples create a lot of hate definitely towards the great ones such as her Catherine had moved to Dartmouth, Nova Scotia in the months prior to her death and was commuting to her policing job just over an hour away, north, mm-hmm. via the 102 highway. It's a pretty quick highway, mm-hmm. you know, I drive. imagine traffic out there is not so crazy. Well, it's kind of nuts depending on the time, oh, really? of, time of day. I mean, it's like any place. If yeah. everybody's trying to get to the same place at the same time, it's going to be busy. I feel like there's often 4,500 cars just on the road I'm on. <laughs> That's what it feels like. Commuting to work. And so the population is like 4,500. Yeah. But she's coming from Dartmouth, which is a city. Okay. That's a, yeah. Catherine's longtime friend, Leanne Gordon, had spoken to her by telephone in the week before the constable went missing. The two planned to meet up while Ms. Gordon was visiting Dartmouth that weekend. Ms. Gordon wanted to firm up details and plan the meetup late in the week and texted Catherine. Catherine never responded. Hmm. That was very much unlike her. Okay, yeah. When Catherine did not show up for her next shift, her friend and co-worker, dispatch supervisor Aaron Adams, was worried. Catherine was never late and was hyper-responsible. She would have called if something was preventing her from being at work. Mm -hmm. Ms. Adams called Halifax Regional Police and requested a welfare check on Catherine at her Dartmouth apartment. HRP Constable Stuart McCulley was the officer who took on the welfare check. Catherine was not at her apartment, Mm. nor were her purse or other belongings that she would have taken with her as her everyday carry items. McCulley also obtained surveillance video footage showing both Catherine Campbell and her vehicle at the Windmill Road complex Mm. on September 10, 2015. It was erroneously believed at first that this was the last time she had been seen. Okay. When news broke on September 14th that a female Truro police constable was missing, this was the information that was presented. Okay. More was revealed later on, but not before a grisly discovery was made by officers belonging to the Central Quick Response Unit of Halifax Regional Police. They had more information that they were keeping under wraps. Hmm. It was obtained by way of witnesses and other surveillance footage, and it had led them to search a specific area in the north end of Halifax. Oh, wow. Okay. Sounds like some very specific info. On September 15, 2015, underneath a ramp to the Angus L. McDonald Bridge in a wooded area off North Road in Barrington Street, a female body was found. Wow. From a global news report highlighting the timeline of events in this story filed by Natasha Pace. I used this story that Natasha Pace filed for a lot of the timeline of events. It was an excellent story. Oh, good. So here's a quote from that. Constable Adam Cole, a 12-year veteran of the Halifax Police, says he and his partner started to make their way along an embankment when he saw a large wooden box. Cole said he crawled along the embankment until he reached the box. Once he lifted it slightly, he could see hair. Oh, jeez. When Cole lifted up the box, he testified he could see a person with a tattoo on the back of the neck and a silver chain. So this has to be a large box then. Yeah. Okay. Oh, like a crate almost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. Police photographed the woman's body where they'd found it, carefully trying to preserve evidence. From Natasha Pace's report... Quote, 
The body was located on an embankment up against a rock wall and police had a difficult time accessing it. They made special note of a, quote, firefighter's tattoo on the neck of the deceased woman. She was wearing a dress, but her underwear and bra were missing. Nearby, a green bin was found containing a garbage bag with a set of Mazda keys. These were later matched to Catherine Campbell's car. On the keychain was also a Good Life Fitness tag, and the membership number was also later matched to Catherine Campbell. According to Halifax.ca, large-wheeled green bins are used for, quote, leaf and yard material collected curbside every second week. During the months of July, August, and September, the green cart collection is every week across okay. the municipality. So I'm picturing our blue recycling bins of the same kind of size. And... It's it's a big wheeled bin. Oh. It's about uh, three and a half feet tall. Yeah, okay. By, by two feet I'm by two feet. it's got two wheels and you yep. on the back. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're... Okay. So you tip it over to move it if it's so heavy. It's pretty large. The body was removed by the medical examiner, and sure enough, she was positively identified as 36-year-old Constable Catherine Campbell through dental records. Autopsy showed that Catherine had a broken nose and two black eyes. There were no signs of semen present. She had died due to strangulation. Catherine's blood alcohol content at the time of her death was determined to be 0.169, so not good for legal driving, but she wasn't driving and um apparently she was a seasoned drinker not okay. you know yeah like to party and stuff like that yeah. not not a drunk and, and you know outside yeah. of the she's not working exactly. it's her own personal life personal exactly. time so no problem just an hour and 10 minutes after the discovery of Catherine's body, a 27-year-old Halifax man named Christopher Garnier was arrested while driving his car in Clayton Park, a Halifax neighborhood. Cops had been following and watching Mr. Garnier at his friend's apartment and at work since quickly putting together a timeline indicating that he was, in fact, the last person to have seen Catherine Campbell alive. So uh, I'm suspecting then before they found her body, they were on to him. Yes. Yeah. This is what we're about to get into. Okay. The press had not been made aware of the latest developments until Garnier was in custody. Okay. The yeah. cops didn't want to show their hand too early. Totally. Especially if you've got somebody in mind, you don't want to scare them. Exactly. Say, yeah, we're on to you. Yeah. In the car was a green tarp, work gloves, yellow rope, tape, a brown blanket, and a five liter gas can that was half full. The man also had a backpack with him containing sandals, a long-sleeve hoodie, three t-shirts, pants, six pairs of underwear, and toiletries. It looked like he was planning yeah. a bonfire and quickly escaping. Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah. Catherine's family, friends, and co-workers were stunned to hear that she was dead. Her father, Dwight, told Saltwire Network, quote, She was a very light girl, he said. She loved her job. She never missed a day. She was going to work in snowstorms and everything else. Yeah, very accountable and, and dedicated individual. A Canadian press report by Darren Pittman on Catherine's murder quoted one of the Truro police brass. He spoke of the effect that Catherine's brutal death had on her fellow officers. Quote, this is a tough one. We're taking this hard, said Inspector Robert Hearn. I supervise all the officers in patrol. Her sergeant had never said anything negative about her. If I could have 10 more Catherines on the service, I'd absolutely do it. Yeah. End quote. Yeah. 
And she was one of 36 officers, so it's a very small yeah. community policing uh, service. Yeah, I really get the sense that she's just probably the top of the uh, charts when it comes to officers there. Catherine had been looking forward to her days off that weekend and to seeing her pal Leanne, and now she was dead. What had happened? Well, I can't wait to find out. Well, we'll continue the story after this quick break. And we're back. It was more surveillance video that had tipped off the police. Mm, okay. Catherine was seen getting into a cab just after midnight on September 15th at her Windmill Road apartment. Okay, so she left her apartment, got into a cab. Yeah. Okay. In fact, as cops followed leads from one place to another, surveillance video obtained from local businesses and residents told much of the story. It's really interesting. Mm. And there are, we will be posting some of the surveillance video. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Global News posted a lot of it on their websites, and, and yeah. we will share it with you folks. Yeah, yeah. A taxi driver named Terrence Little picked up Catherine Campbell. Even with 40 years of driving cab for Bob's taxi, Little didn't miss a trick. A Global News report stated that, quote, Little said Campbell seemed normal and was not intoxicated when he dropped her off at the Halifax Ale House around 1 a.m. So, so, a pub. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's a really yeah. nice pub. Bars in Halifax are open really late, and the Ale House doesn't close until 3.30. Oh, wow. And it's the perfect place for an off-duty cop or anyone else to go unwind after a hard week's work. And look at her being all responsible, taking a cab. Exactly. It's beautiful. The crowd is typically older at the Ale House, other than many downtown bars, which cater mainly to university students. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> From the Ale House website, quote, At the Halifax Ale House, we have taken great measures and time to create an atmosphere that honors the past. From our historic building, built in 1893, to our distinctive uniforms, it is as though you go back in time and relive historic Halifax. So sit back and enjoy one of the many beers we have on tap, the fantastic food we create daily, and the memorable experience you're sure to have. End quote. Minus the alcohol. Sounds like a place I'd love to go. Sure. Go hang out and eat yeah, some food. Yeah. Totally. I love those old pubs in, in Halifax for food. They're, I, they're fantastic. Yeah, I, I bet, man. Surveillance video shows Catherine in the establishment with a well-built man who she'd met there. The pair can be seen flirting, dancing, embracing, and kissing each other passionately. Things apparently got so hot and heavy that the bar staff intervened more than once asking them to take things down a notch. <laughs> yeah, you know, hey, they're just having a good live, time. Live your life. Exactly. But it was the bartender who ID'd the man in the video as Christopher Garnier. He had once worked with Garnier at another job. Totally knows him. Between 3 and 3.30 a.m., the pair got into a yellow taxi and cabbed it to 5714 Macaulay Street, an apartment belonging to Garnier's friend. Garnier was staying with this guy, Mitchell DeVoe, because he and his girlfriend had just broken up, and he needed a place to crack. According to the cab driver, Simon Zacharias, he couldn't make out what Catherine and Christopher were talking about in the back of the taxi, but he, quote, felt there was tension between them. Catherine paid for the cab ride as the pair exited and went into the apartment. Only Christopher and Catherine are privy to what happened over the next hour. But Catherine isn't around to tell that story. Yeah, yeah. 
Something really out of the ordinary started happening close to 4.45 a.m. that morning in the Halifax neighborhood. Surveillance video from multiple businesses in the area show a barefoot man matching Christopher Garnier's description in shorts and a gray t-shirt emerging from the back of 5714 Macaulay. The man can be seen dragging a heavy green bin behind him. At one point, as the man exits an alleyway, something can be seen falling from the bin he's dragging. The man stoops down, picks up the item, and tosses it onto the roof of the property there on Agricola Street. A man's silver chain was later photographed and recovered there by police investigators. There weren't only video accounts, but eyewitnesses too. Jesus Christ, they really got a lot. Oh yeah. A garbage man doing pickup near Gus's pub saw the man pulling the bin. According to Natasha Pace's Global News article, another man, Andrew Golding, quote, left his garish street home to walk to work every day at 4.45 a.m. On September 11, 2015, Golding said he witnessed a man pulling a green bin along his route. Golding said he never spoke to the man but made eye contact with him. Golding says the man was pulling the green bin with his left hand and said it appeared the bin was carrying some weight. End quote. Golding also said he recalled the man, quote, having a strange look on his face. This dude might as well have been live streaming this. This is pretty much what happened. Like, it's crazy. Pace's report goes on to mention another man named David Yeo, who was drinking his early morning coffee on his balcony around 5 a.m. Quote, he saw a man struggling with a green bin. Yeo watched the man go toward the tree line located by the overpass to the McDonald Bridge. He said he watched the man for several minutes until he was out of view. Holy Christ, so he walked this green bin, rolled it... Through the neighborhood. Holy... Down alleyways and back streets, but across streets in places where he would be seen. And now knowing the size of this bin, you're going to notice that. Especially a man in his bare feet and just shorts e and... Everything about it, you're going to, like, that's, you're going to, well, what's going on here? Yeah. Like, that's going to stand out. You're going to... Re and it did. Yeah, he might as well have like a neon sign above him as well. Nothing to look at here. Yeah. And I guess so clearly going towards the bridge, that's how the police knew where to go. Okay, yeah. As I mentioned, a lot was going on for Christopher. He'd just broken up with his girlfriend. They were they were arguing. So they weren't, it, they, he wasn't sure if it was a permanent thing or what yeah. was going on. Needed a place to crash, so he's sleeping on Mitchell's couch. Yeah. He was also starting a new job that week at the sales department at K&D Pratt Group Incorporated and that's an equipment distribution company in Halifax. He had also been a paramedic at one time. So this guy was having some struggles in his life yeah. at this time, yeah. which is one of those things that mm -hmm. can be a precipitating factor prior to For sure. committing For sure. the type of crime that we are about to accuse him of. You often hear about with serial killers and whatnot, there was a relationship change, yep. just lost a job. Like there's, you know, these are pretty ma major events in people's Major lives. life events happening for this young gentleman yep. who uh, was stressed. After Garnier's arrest, police locked down Mitchell DeVoe's apartment as a crime scene. According to DeVoe, the mattress from the pull-out couch that Garnier was sleeping on had gone missing. Garnier had told DeVoe that he'd thrown up on it and disposed of it. I guess he said he was drunk and barfed on the, on the uh, mattress, mm -hmm. so it's conveniently gone. Mm -hmm. Inside the apartment, police began seizing evidence. There was blood spatter on the TV, 
the stereo cabinet, speakers, a toolbox on multiple spots on the floor inside the apartment and one spot on the floor of the hallway leading out of the building. All of the blood evidence gathered matched samples of Catherine Campbell's blood. I don't want to spoil anything that may come, but DeVoe, he must have heard. No, DeVoe was out drinking. Oh, phew. Okay. He was out at the bars and he hadn't come home. Yeah, because I was going to say, because for there to be blood splatter, for yeah. her to have a yeah. broken nose and two black eyes. I thought eyes that too when the, I was yeah. researching, so I looked into yep. it and he had been out. He wasn't the, there. Because that would be quite loud, yeah, quite violent mm-hmm. and, and for sure hard to not hear. And so, yeah, it makes sense then if he's not there. According to court testimony, a computer was also seized containing searches about memory loss in relation to alcohol and the antidepressant Ciprolex. Perhaps uh, someone looking to cover for themselves? I, I would imagine so. I don't think he was legit. Oh, what just happened? Can I get memory loss from the Like, no, he's looking for excuses. Just minutes before Christopher Garnier's arrest, the cops following him noticed he seemed to be heading toward the site where he dumped Catherine. The officers were already there with her body and were doing their forensic stuff. And this guy is coming toward them and hasn't been arrested yet. So the officers trailing him radioed ahead to the forensics team working there, and they had to scramble to hide all their gear and turn out all the lights so as not to tip Christopher off that they'd found her body. From their vantage point, they watched him pull up nearby. They could see his headlights. He didn't get out, and they breathed a sigh of relief as he drove off again. Holy shit. Can you imagine? It's like, it's almost comically ridiculous how dumb this guy is, but also quite amazing how serendipitously things all lined up for the officer. How stupid he was is comical. Not what happened. The initial interrogation of Christopher Garnier took place at HRP headquarters with Corporal Jody Allison as the lead interviewer. Tactically, with Corporal Allison over the nine and a half hour videotaped interrogation is a blonde haired female HRP officer closely ma- matching the body type and stature of Catherine Campbell. Smart, get psychological. At least two and a half hours of the interview was later played at trial. At various points through the video, the female officer can be seen whispering to Christopher Garnier and holding his hand and rubbing his back to comfort him. Oh, brilliant. As he sobs while being hemmed in by the massive amount of evidence already collected against him. Although denying everything at first, Corporal Allison and his cohort eventually get Garnier talking. I've edited some audio of the highlights, Mm. and there's a few clips here, so let's listen to the first one. Chris, you've been sitting here saying, I can't, I can't, I can't. Life is about choices right now. Just like the choice that you made to go out on Thursday night. She paid for the cab. She paid for the cab. Is it that you don't remember or you don't want to remember? I don't remember. He claims mm-hmm. he didn't remember, yeah. right, of course. Bullshit. Corporal Allison was struggling to figure out what was going on in Garnier's head after the crime. Because you can hear he's a very emotional yeah, conveniently emotional. Well, Probably yeah, more not, emotional that he's sitting there caught. Caught, yeah. for sure. But still, I would be like, well, what is going through his head? What is he thinking? Well, here's the thing. Somehow he'd managed to keep it together well, even reconciling with his girlfriend, Brittany, over the weekend. Holy shit. Here's some more audio. When you put her down there, were you hoping that somebody would find her? If I ran over a dog, I'd feel bad. How can somebody 
do something like this, and then all weekend you act normal, have sex with your girlfriend, go to your father's birthday party, and everybody says, oh, no, you act like, like always. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So he reconciled with his girlfriend. They had sex together. Or I guess that was known to the police or he'd admitted to that. Or, or she, maybe she's, well, he was over on the weekend. Yeah, Everything exactly. We reconciled. Yeah. And... Referencing the gasoline can found in Christopher's car, Corporal Allison, Allison asked Christopher what his plans were. Trent, you were going to go and do something with her body. I don't know what I was going to do. Okay, well, the stuff you had in your car, what was that for? Well, I had my bag because I wasn't sure if I was going to leave or not. Right. What else? Well, the, the tarp and gas, they could have been for one or two things. Which were what? what? What did you have this for? You know what you had them for. You were going back down there to get her. I thought about it. Yes, you were. What were you going to do with the gasoline? If there hadn't been anybody around there, you would have went down and, and did that. I don't think I could have. I was going to go somewhere. I don't know where. I was going to use the tarp as like a, a shelter, uh, use the gas because the ground was wet, but that crossed my mind. So you're going to use the gas to dry the ground up, you mean? What? Well, to be able to burn wood. Okay. Okay, I see what you mean. Yeah, he was going to burn things there. Yeah. Next, Corporal Allison deftly tries to lead Christopher into talking about the murder, asking whether Catherine was alive when he put her into the green bin. Tell me that she wasn't still alive when she was put in that compost bin. Was she still alive when she was put in that compost bin? No. She didn't suffer in there? She didn't suffer when you threw her down over that bank? She was dead? How do you know she was dead? I think she was. How do you know that she wasn't alive? She wasn't moving. You're a paramedic. How do you know that she was not alive? She wasn't breathing. She wasn't breathing? Like, how do you know that? Did you get down? Did you feel close to her face? You know, because some people, you, you know, you're a paramedic. You can get down close to somebody and they might have faint breaths. And you put her in there. She wasn't alive. You, 100%, you know that. Uh, you're telling me 100% that she wasn't alive? I think. And I know you're ashamed. Okay? I know you're ashamed. And I appreciate you not lying to me. I really do. What happened got to that point where she's going into a compost bin. <sighs> yeah, that's intense, eh? Yeah, yeah. And to the other uh, recording as well, when they were asking, were you going to burn her? And he was like, I know, I... I, I don't, I couldn't have, I couldn't do that to her. He said the thought crossed my mind. <clears throat> but I, but I couldn't do that. I, yeah. I, I couldn't do that. I always find it fascinating how killers have weird moral guidelines and thresholds because yeah. it's like, oh, so killing her, you can do. We heard that with Cruz Wellwood and yes. his cohort. Yes. So murdering her, that, that you can do, that's mm -hmm. in your scope of possibilities, but then burning the corpse. You, no, no, yeah. I'm not that kind of guy. Yeah. Like, what the hell? Further into the interview, uh, Garnier conveniently claims he couldn't remember much of what happened, like who approached who at the Yale house or getting back to Mitch's place in the taxi. Yeah, but yeah. after a few minutes of silence, interrupted mostly by his own sobs, Garnier gives up a little bit of what happened during Catherine Campbell's last moments. Mm. Here's some more audio. Oh, boy. 
remember her being on the bed or the pillow and she was bleeding. I don't remember what happened. <laughs> Where was she bleeding from? I think her nose. It was all over her face. That's how I know she wasn't alive when she went into bed because I can hear her take her last breaths. So he admitted to being there as she took her last breaths. Yeah, I just... it. Uh... I just get so frustrated by that. I don't remember. All I can remember is her bleeding. No, I guarantee you remember every minute detail. That's yeah. not the kind of thing that you're just like, oh, Going to be able to know. forget. Yeah, exactly. We'll get into that even more later oh, and you'll boy. be enraged by this. But. <laughs> Good. As with many interrogations, once Garnier started talking, Corporal Allison had him write a letter about how he felt about what had happened. Garnier balked about reading it himself, so Corporal Allison reads it for him. Oh, God. This is going to be like, I'm not a bad person. If you don't feel comfortable reading it, I mean, it's, it's your own words, but it's up to you. Well, can you read first and tell me if you think that's all right? Oh, yes, I will, yeah. I'll read it out loud, okay? I don't know where to start. I only hope this will give you some closure. I never wanted this to happen. I've always been a caring person, but this is my darkest moment. I don't expect you to forgive me for what happened, so I won't ask for your forgiveness. I do need you to know that I am so sorry this happened. If I could give my own life to get hers back, I would. I will carry this with me for the rest of my life. Uh, this is to parents or loved ones? No, you wouldn't. No. You wouldn't give your... No. Your, you took her life. It sounds pretty empty, doesn't it? Yeah, you, you've already demonstrated wh whose life you felt is a more a priority when you took hers. Corporal Allison goes on asking how many times Garnier punched Catherine. The corporal asks whether Garnier panicked knowing he'd just punched a female police officer. Allison asks about body positioning as well, but Garnier gives little. However, when Corporal Allison asks again about how Christopher heard Catherine's last breaths, Garnier gives in. Note, we had to increase the volume of Garnier's final two responses as they were really quiet. Oh, yeah. So I turned yeah. it up a little bit. We, we all know what happened next. The reason that you can hear her last gasps, her last breaths, Chris, why is that? My hands were on her neck. Yes. For how long? I'm not sure. So he said, my hands were on her neck. Yes. And then he was asked for how long, and he said, I'm not sure. An expert would later testify. Yeah. At least two minutes. Well, that I was... To sit up to six. I was just going to say, I've watched a lot of true crime. We've covered a lot. I know a lot about strangulation, that the, the common... Belief is that you just for a few seconds hold on and then they're going. The amount of time it takes to strangle somebody. Mm -hmm. to, as de you to said, death. To death, as you said. You can strangle them unconscious quickly because yeah. we've seen that in the UFC numerous times. For sure. But to take somebody's life via strangulation, minutes. Just imagine you've got your hands tight and just like. Doing that for minutes, that's a conscious, that's not just, oh, I, I overreacted. I just wanted to quiet this person. It's like, no, no. If you, if you strangled somebody, yeah, you, this is what, to death, this is what you meant to do. Christopher Garnier was charged with one count of second degree murder and another count of indignity to human remains. Mm. And guess how he pled? Not guilty. That's right. 
not guilty. Oh, for Christ's sake. Even after the confession, even after the written letter, even after all the evidence that they had, not guilty. Is, is he going to say insanity? No. Garnier was granted bail for $100,000 in December of 2016. What the shit? So he killed, murdered a police officer. He's, okay, he's accused of the murder of a police officer and he is bailed. And he admitted to it, then pleads not guilty, but, and he's, he's given bail. Yep. He was put under 24-hour house arrest with strict conditions. One condition was that he present himself at the door of his home when police visited. In February of 2017, Garnier's bail was revoked when he was, and he was rearrested and incarcerated pending trial when he breached that condition. So he wasn't home when the cops you came. don't say. He just seems like such a law-abiding, upstanding citizen. Interestingly, during his hearing to have his bail revoked, his father had to be removed from the hearing for being disruptive. So your son is accused of murder. Yeah. And regardless of what is going on, you are going to want to fight for your son. So this, this, this guy had to be upset, you know? Yeah, it's tough to comment because don't know until you're there. I'd like to think. He hasn't heard all the evidence yet either. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I, I would like to think, though, I would respect... Uh, the process? If it was my kid being accused, I, I think I would try my best anyways. I think I would be very vocal in the media. Yeah. I'd be very vocal. Yeah. Out, but in that setting, in the courtroom, I think I would be restrained because I would be aware that my lashing out at the court system in that setting is only going to do my kid uh, harm. But you don't know the stress that the, these the, people And that's what I'm saying. Unless you're there, then. And I hope to fuck. If you're listening to this, Violet and Olivia, yeah. don't murder. A lot of legal wrangling had to take place prior to this trial. Voidir hearings and all kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. The reason why was things the defense wanted to bring into the case. Oh, boy. And they were successful in their bid to allow some of Catherine Campbell's previous sexual history to be heard during the trial. Oh, I'm pissed already. They were going to present the old tried and true, blame the victim, slash yeah. she was asking for it yeah. defense. Disgusting. I just watched, and this is why the whole choking and stuff, I had just watched the preppy murder. Yeah. I remember when that happened. Yeah. And that was just like the pinnacle of blame the victim. Garnier, who was 30 at the time of his five-week trial, was now claiming the confession he'd given police was just him telling them what they wanted to hear. Christopher's defense team painted Catherine Campbell as the aggressor, testifying in his own defense as the first witness in his defense in his trial. So he was the first? He was the first defense witness in his own trial. Jesus. He said that Catherine had asked him if he was into domination. He claimed to be unfamiliar with it. Uh, he knew what it was, but uh, it wasn't his thing. He said she begged him for rough sex. And also that she wanted him to choke her. He said he did it for around 30 seconds in the hallway of the apartment saying, quote, if she resisted, I would have stopped, oh, end quote. <sighs> yeah. He said they ended up on the sofa bed where he held his arm on Catherine's neck and slapped her three times, quote, at her request. But he claimed he wasn't looking at her when he slapped her. 
from a Global News article posted by Natasha Pace. Quote, Shortly after that, Garnier said he felt blood on him and ran to the bathroom to get a towel. When he came back, Catherine hadn't moved. Garnier told the court that he grabbed Campbell's shoulders and shook her before hearing a gasp and moving back towards the doorway of the room. Garnier said he was panicked. His vision was blurry. He was sick to his stomach. He recalled folding the mattress from a pull-out couch and the pillars under the McDonald Bridge, but not placing Campbell in a green bin or disposing of the body. End quote. Bizarre. And that's just like old people, Mike. Yeah. We've had a lot of life experiences. I forget things. And, you know, there's nothing... I think it's pretty easy to determine or to separate kink from assault. In in my 46 years of life, that's never been a concern of mine of kink versus assault. Well, let's get into it a little more. The defense also called a BDSM expert to testify about sexual masochism, including asphyxophilia, which is uh, requiring asphyxiation to mm -hmm. obtain sexual release, yeah. as well as erotic asphyxiation. The expert testified that this behavior is typically practiced between two people who trust one another and are aware of how much the other person can take. Mm -hmm. It was surmised that alcohol and lack of knowledge of each other's anatomy led to Catherine's death accidentally. The defense also questioned why Catherine had not, quote, fought back and broken free. She was a trained police officer, after all. It was unclear whether... Though, whether Catherine had even received the training to break out of that particular type of choke. Garnier was also diagnosed with PTSD, stemming from the actions he'd undertaken when killing and disposing of Catherine Campbell. Well, I mean, murdering can be pretty difficult on, on the murderer. Yeah. You know, it's a, yeah, to, you know. This, too, was part of the defense team's strategy to lessen Garnier's culpability for the murder. Oh, my God. So he he's suffering post-traumatic stress disorder from a trauma that he caused. Yes. That's just tragic. In the end, Christopher Garnier was found guilty on both counts. Yeah. At Garnier's parole eligibility hearing, because if you're found guilty of second-degree murder, it's a life sentence. So we need to fi find out how long is it you're going to be in jail before mm -hmm. you're eligible for parole. Mm -hmm. They heard tearful impact statements from Catherine Campbell's family and friends, of course, but also a note was given to the judge by Christopher's girlfriend, Brittany, and it was entered into evidence. It read in part, quote, oh I love him more today than I ever have. I consider myself lucky to call Christopher my significant other. He truly is the best kind of person inside and out. He saved me from me and has given me something to look forward to for the future, our future, no. end quote. No, no, no. Yes, yes, no. yes. The listeners couldn't see my uh, uh, yes, bewilderment. Yes, pretty I, much like had a, a weird uh, my, fit. Yeah. He pitched a fit. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't care uh, how much I love my partner and how wonderful they've been. Yeah. If they murder somebody, I'm not going to love them more. I'll well, say, they, I'll were say on a, that, they were on a break, Scott. Yeah. Well, no, but he's still murdered. I'm being insensitive. He's still murdered. Like, that's just, oh my God. Yeah, I'm just being. My God, my God, my God. Mm -hmm. I love him more now. Yeah. Honorable Justice Joshua M. Arnold wrote in his decision, quote, Mr. Garnier has been sentenced to life in prison. I set his parole ineligibility at 
13.5 years. That is, he must serve 13 and a half years before he can apply for parole. Yeah, right. That is not the date he gets parole. Yeah. It is merely the date he can start applying for parole. As discussed, that 13 and a half year time frame starts on the date of his arrest, September 16, 2015, but does not include the time he spent released on bail nor does it include the time he spent in custody in relation to the breach allegation. Oh, good, good. So he's not getting any yeah. time off for, yeah. you know, time served. In imposing this sentence, I ask him to keep in mind the words of Justice Beveridge in Hawkins that he will be subject to a sentence of imprisonment forever. He may never be released on parole, end quote. Oh, thank God. What a strong, what strong wording from a good Nova Scotian judge. No kidding. I, I, I dig this judge. And, and to go back to the whole BDSM and this and that, the whole, you know, having that expert and trusting partner and all that stuff. Sure. Uh, but again, the whole choking, like yeah. it, it, having, once your partner goes limp, Mm-hmm. Nobody in their right mind would be like, well, let's just keep doing this so for a few more but minutes. But here's the thing. There was no sex going on between them at all. Jesus. They didn't have sex. Yeah. Right? So that kind of throws that Throws the whole, yeah. Out the window. Oh, God. It's just like... Christopher Garnier was sentenced to four years running concurrently with his other sentence for indecently interfering with the remains of Catherine oh, Campbell. Oh, good, good. Somehow, taxpayers via the Veterans Affairs Department ended up paying for Christopher Garnier's PTSD treatment. What the fuck? His father was a veteran. Garnier had never served in the military himself. A furor around that fact was kicked up and a Veterans Affair yeah. Affairs rep told Global News, quote, Veterans Affairs does not take a criminal conviction into account when deciding what services to provide, end quote. Perhaps they will now. Holy shit. Yeah, that really looks bad on them. Oh, As a taxpayer, I don't want to pay for this guy's rehabilitation. But at the same time, we are paying for it anyway uh, in I, prison. I, what little he acquires there. We, I think we have both established being very empathetic and very, very, very aware and supportive of mental health needs and concerns. But if you're suffering a trauma from having murdered somebody, mm -hmm. I don't give a shit. No. The town has held kids' awareness events in Catherine Campbell's honor. They gave kids stickers shaped like police badge with her number 137 oh. on it. Funds were raised for an AED, an automated external defibrillator, that was placed in the fire hall under her name. Mm. And finally, a tree was planted and a bench was installed to honor Catherine's work and that of another fallen officer on the Holland College Police Academy grounds. Mm. Her mom and dad attended that ceremony. Oh, wow. Part of Catherine's obituary reads, Anything Catherine pursued in her life, she gave her heart with passion and integrity. If you ever needed anything, whether it be something small or large, she was always willing to, and eager to help. She will be deeply and sincerely missed. She was a woman who wore many different hats. She could be caring, compassionate. She could be a caring the caring, compassionate police officer, the courageous, fearless firefighter, a loyal, loving daughter, a special sister, a caring friend, a caring aunt. 
she was like no other. And the obituary ends with verses from an Irish funeral poem called Remembered Joy. If my parting life has left a void, then fill it with remembered joy, a friendship shared, a laugh, a kiss. Ah, yes, these things I too will miss. Till we meet again, we love you to the ends of the earth and back. Oh, Jesus. That's it for this week's case. Oh, feel, I don't feel like thanking you. No. For, like I'm, I'm, I'm raging mad. Yeah, that was another rough one. Yeah, I, re- I, I know it's a lot to expect from a murderer to yeah. show, uh, to be contrite, to own up and just be honest about what happened for the sake of the fa- surviving families and stuff. I know it's a lot to ask murderers to suddenly be decent people. I just want so badly for some dickhead like this to just end up being like, yeah, I, I fucking did this and I, I'm, I'm a terrible person. It doesn't, um, I did this. Here's what I did. I yeah. deserve, I deserve whatever you give me. Yeah, I'm just going to shut up and take it. Yep. For the sake of the family, let's make, like, I'm going to plead guilty. Let's not put anybody through this. Well, like, I don't think we hear about those cases. I'm sure they happen. They do happen. I, I, I've, I've watched a few through true crime stuff, mm-hmm. but um, it's just what I, it, it's like a double injustice to the families when it's like, no, you, I, you killed her. Yeah. And then you're just going to make them suffer more and not be accountable. And Yeah, it's pretty disgusting. <sighs> well, let's lighten things up a little bit. Yeah, let's It's start. time for some voicemails. You can leave us one at 877-327-5786 or one eight seven seven dark or one eight seven seven dark darkputin If your call really stands out, you might hear it on show. Now I know a couple of people who've messaged me saying, ah, I left a funny voicemail. Okay. So here's one that looks like it's from out of country again. Oh, jeez. There are a few here that are way too long. We're not going to play it. If you are just somebody who calls and rambles, it's probably not going to pl- get played. Just so you know. We, yeah. I mean, we don't have a, <laughs> it's just, yeah. a, it's not an hour of voicemail show. No. Although that'd be pretty fun. So here's the one from uh, somewhere else. Hi, Mike and Scott. It's Alison calling from Derby in the UK. Uh, just like to point out the fact that the phone rang put me in a massive panic and I hung up thinking that I was just going to get some random confused Canadian on the phone beforehand. Anyway, um, just ringing to say, so we all know that Scott's ability to predict people's jobs and locations is bordering on prophetic. So I was just wondering what he thought that a couple of uh, super famous Canadians might be doing if they weren't being famous. So... Uh, William Shatner, Ryan Reynolds, and yourselves. I was going to say Justin Bieber, but I think we all know the only thing he should be doing is going to shit in his hat. So I'll leave it at that. <laughs> anyway, I love the show, and uh, I hope I get some answers from you. Bye. Okay, so this is one of the people who messaged to say. Okay, fantastic. So Allison, oh, she's fantastic. Big wrestling fan. Yep, yep. In the Yumber Yard. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. So what would Ryan Reynolds be doing if he wasn't famous. He named a couple Ryan Reynolds, William Shatner. William Shatner, yeah. So if Ryan Reynolds wasn't famous. And ourselves, yeah. If he wasn't famous, uh, okay, so I think like legit, like he'd probably be a personal trainer or something. Oh yeah, he's a fit guy. Yeah, I think that's, I think he'd be a personal trainer. Yeah. Oh yeah, or. No, I think he'd be a garbage man in the, the, on the downtown east side. Oh man. I'm talking to you, Ryan Reynolds. Wow. 
Wow. Because he is from Vancouver. He is. Yeah. Yeah. So he'd be a garbage man. Ryan Gosling's Canadian. That's so mad. Yeah. If you're a Ryan and you're famous, you're from Canada. So William Shatner, what would William Shatner be doing? Oh my God. Um, <laughs> apparently not the nicest chap. Uh, now, now, well, we is... don't know this for sure. No, I have people who've met him and, and have said. I know people who've met him too and said he was a fine gentleman. Okay, well then there we go. So what would William Shatner be if he was? <sighs> I, yeah, uh. 911 operator? Teacher. Teacher? Yeah. Today we are talking about history. Yeah, it's going to say history too. That's what I think. A history be... teacher. We want to talk about Hammurabi. <laughs> oh. Yeah, interesting. That, that could be. I think it would be, yeah. And she asked, what about yourself, Scott? What do you think you would be doing? I think you would I be working at a special effects. Yeah, I still, I still have a job. So yeah. I, I I work in visual effects mm -hmm. for uh, uh, the film industry. I'm yeah. working on The Order Season 2 currently, and then I'll be on to Van Helsing Season 5. So I would probably still be a, a grave digger somewhere. Uh. You got, well, you love what you do. You got to love what you do. You got to love what you do. Yeah. <laughs> but thank you, Allison. Thank, <laughs> thank you. you. Thank you so much, Allison. That was a, a little a little interesting. Yeah. 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 And I agree with about your beaver comment. Yeah. I, some other people have contacted me to say they've left messages, but not to use them. So. Oh. <laughs> but anyway, here's another one uh, from, I think, from the same day. Let's listen to this one. Hi, Mike. Hi, Scott. Um, my name is Keisha. I've been listening to the Dark Blue Team for a while now. Um, I commute over an hour for work, so I listen to it on my way to work and on my way home. And I was just listening to your podcast about the Ogopogo, and I'm actually part of the Okanagan Nation. Um, so I just wanted to tell you guys how to say the words. So we're the Seal Nation. That's how you pronounce it. And we call the Ogopogo in Kaka'it. So I figured it'd be cool oh. for you guys to hear how it's pronounced. And I love you guys. Thanks. Bye. That is super cool. That is super cool. So yeah. thank you uh, for t t telling us how to pronounce Ogopogo's name in your own language. That is fantastic. It's really awesome. Because I just slaughtered it, I know. Yeah, but. I mean, we slaughter uh, English. <laughs> uh, so, you know, of course, if it's yeah anything other than we're, we're going exactly. to screw it up. So it's cool. We It's, it's nice to get... Um, calls from uh, folks who are members of the indigenous nations yeah. that we're talking about. Yeah. Let's give this one a listen. Hello, Mike and Scott. This is Haley calling from Kelowna. Um, I just wanted to say what an awesome episode you guys just did on Ogopogo. Um, it was so nice to hear my hometown featured on an episode. Um, with that being said, I just wanted to say thank you for shouting out that episode of Mike Tyson Mysteries. Um, maybe I'm biased because I'm from Kelowna, but that's probably one of the best episodes of the show there is, if you ask me. Um, also, I was thinking about this gentleman named Eddie Haymore. I'm not sure if you or Scott would be familiar with the name, um, but he actually used to own Rattlesnake Island as well as a castle that is directly adjacent from it in Peachland. Um, Eddie Haymore was a pretty colorful character. I remember reading somewhere that at a press conference, he said that he would drink human blood and eat human flesh if he didn't get to build a theme park on Rattlesnake Island. And he actually also threatened W.A.C. Bennett with um, letter bombs. 
because he was really mad about not being able to construct a theme park on this very small island that he owned. Um, just kind of interesting because that's supposedly where the Ogopogo lurks around. Um, but definitely a very interesting, colorful character with lots of history. So that might be an interesting thing to cover um, at a later date for a palate cleanser. Um, lastly, I just wanted to ask you if you were informed or knew at all about the sunken Ogopogo that's near Paul's tomb here in Kelowna. Um, it's actually there for divers, so they have dive teams that practice um, and teach new divers in that area, and they've actually sunken a large stone structure of the Ogopogo. It looks really creepy if you hate deep water, um, but we do actually, in fact, have a real Ogopogo in the water, just in case anybody doesn't believe there's a real living one around. Anyways, sorry for the very, very long message. I had lots of ideas, as the podcast definitely sparked a few for me, um, but I hope you guys have a great day, afternoon, evening, whenever you're listening to this. Talk to you later. Bye. Well, that was that, that bloody, was great. That was bloody informative. It, absolutely. I think, you, I think you've got a new co-host, Mike. Well, Haley. Yeah. No, she's great. I met her uh, when we went up and stayed at oh, Alan Warren's right. place. That's yeah. right. Yeah. That was, that's quite, wow. And um, Thanks, Haley. So she messaged me and said, uh, I left this rambling voicemail. Yeah, she, yeah I got one. And I, I thought. Okay, so I listened to it, and it's like, well, it's not really rambling. She, no, she actually it, gave us some good information. I ramble. I jump from point oh, to Scott, point. Scott, Scott is a the epitome of rambling. Yeah, yeah like they're like um, one topic to the next with no segues. That was a, a clear. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we message definitely delivery. understood what she was saying. Yeah, yeah, there were. Yeah, that was so. Fantastic. Thanks, and, Haley, and, and um, Castle. Right. There's a castle. And drink human blood. I want to go to said castle. Haley, or, or is the castle accessible? We, yeah. Is, we can, can public just go to said castle? Oh, man. We need to know these things. I'm going to message her, ask her about castle. Yeah. Wow. Let's do it. All right. Whew. That's enough of the voicemails. Yeah. That, but there were some good. Those uh, were again, great. We have the best listeners. Yeah. They send us some awesome voicemails and yeah. we get to share them with you folks. So fantastic. again, a reminder, our uh, phone number is one 327 5786 or 1-877-DARKPTN. Yeah. Yep. Fun. Yeah. It's time for patron, Patreon shout outs. Okay. Right. How about them apples? That time, we'll it? start with donut money first. Let's, do, Let's that. do that. Yeah. So first up we have Renee Ilnicki. And Renee says, thank you, Mike and Scott. So glad I discovered your podcast. My goal as of 2019 is to learn more about the history of our world. Oh. Your podcasts are helping me achieve this from the murder cases to the historical tragedies. I love the Remembrance Day episodes. Our veterans should never be forgotten. We oh. agree. Enjoy some donuts and tea or coffee on me and keep the, keep up the fantastic work. I look forward to continuing, continued learning and laughing from you guys. P.S. Would love to take you, take on my occupation and, uh, my place of residence. So oh. you love your take on that. Yeah. What's, what was her name again? 
Her name is Renee. Renee Ilnicki. I love the name Renee. Where's Where's Renee from? Renee. Let me Let me guess where she's from. Oh wow! Okay. I want to I want to give it a try. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see if your prophetic skills are on par with mine. Oh my goodness, she's from Laos. Laos. Yeah. Interesting. Oh. You know that country really close to Vietnam. I do. I what do. does she do in Laos, though, Scott? Well, you were so great at the name. I mean, maybe you have. Do you have any ideas? No, that's what? your job. Oh, shit. Yeah. I was trying to just pass. I it know on. you were. God damn. You it. don't want to do your work. Uh, when have I ever wanted to? Um, uh, I know. Uh, what does she? So she's in Laos. Um, oh, yeah. She uh, is a bean sifter. Oh, she sifts beans in Laos. Yeah, very. There's different kinds of beans. Oh, yep. Um, and she sifts. She sifts them. Okay. With there's like this. It's kind of like this large ruler, but then it has different sizes. This is not. And, and so this is she not a real thing. Yeah, it's totally a real thing. And so they come along a conveyor belt, and she just she just swipes the conveyor belt with this long ruler, and it it, segre- it separates. Or segregates the beans, and then they go into the proper bean slot. Yeah. Okay. So she's a bean separator. Yeah, exactly. Well, be unionized. It's a good job. Well, it, I don't want to get into unions. Anymore. Well, it, it, in Laos, it's, it's important. Is your job unionized, your current one? No, no. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, so you're not. So, anyway. Yeah. So a bean counter in Laos. Yep. That's fantastic. It's, it is. It is. Yeah. yeah she's, she's doing well there. <laughs> Irene Briand, who sent us money last week, sent some more donut money. She said, you guys rock. Keep up the awesome episodes. Oh, thank you. Ha- uh, heart and the little huggy dude. Oh. Thanks, Irene. That's, that's love. She's from uh, Picture Butte, Alberta. That sounds beautiful. Right. You can't have or picture. it's it's B U T T. It could be T T E. It could be pronounced picture butt. I, I don't know. I don't. I'm I'm giving up on. Uh, but if you have picture pronunciations, yeah, I think it's best though. If you have if you have butt, or sorry, if you have picture, picture or butt. Or butt. Or if you butt. have picture in the name, if of, you have of, pictures in your butt, <laughs> if you have the butt picture, if you have picture in the name of your city, yeah, it's it. it it's got to be a beautiful city. Like, it has pic- to be. Picturesque. You would think that's why they named it. Or, unless it was named after, after like John Vaughn Pitcher or something. It could be. So let's get into the Patreon folks here. Let's do it. Uh, first up we have from Bailey, Colorado. Oh. Cheryl Lyon. And it's Lyon with a Y. Oh, cool. Yeah. So thank you, Cheryl. Thank you, Cheryl. I want to go to Colorado. So it looks why? very mountainy. I had the, when I was going to audio engineering school, I, one of my good buddies uh, was from Colorado, hmm. and it just sounded great. He would always talk about it, and I always wanted to go there. Interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is. I, well, I, I thought so. Uh, next up, we have Martina Rosal, and she is from Columbus, Ohio. Oh. Thank you, Martina. Oh, wow. Or is it Roselle? Maybe it's both. I I'm just, I just murderize people's names. I'm really sorry. Yeah, I will. So next up, we have somebody who uh, Scott is trying to figure out where she's from right now. Her name is Medic- Megan Federuk. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where yeah, is Megan from? Bangalore. Bangalore in India? Yep. Oh, interesting. Yep. Uh, and what Megan's does she- a very common name there. Oh, I'm sure it yeah, is. Yeah. And what does she do there in Bangalore? Oh, she's a taxi driver. 
there are a lot of taxis in yeah, India. Yeah. Because people do have to get around. They do. And uh, a driver is, it's actually a more respected job than it is here. A lot of people Just look, like in the UK. look down their noses at taxi drivers here in Canada. Yeah. But like you mentioned, in the UK, it's, it's a very well-respected yeah. job, yeah. as it is in India as well. You know what her specialty is, though? Like what, no. what, or what she's known for as a taxi driver? No, I do not. Do you, so uh, she draw like her taxi is a, a Lamborghini Aventador. Wow, that's hard to get in and out of if you're a fat guy like me. It, it is, it is, but worth the ride. You know why they call them a, an Aventador? No. Have you ever seen one? No. There's a, a door and a big vent, a vent, a door. Oh, God. Yeah, I'm not, not kidding. Fuck off. Really? <laughs> I don't know what the, why they're really called that. But, oh, God. But that's what a friend of mine said. Uh, it should be if it's not. But yeah, so, uh, you know, yeah. She's, if you need a Lamborghini taxi... You got your person. There you go. Yeah. Um, next up, here's an interesting name. Um, this one is, there are two different names here. And so I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to go with the username. And we'll go with the username is Diane Brown. Okay. And Diane is from Hollis, Maine. I love Maine so much. So. Not Hollis, Queens. Because then the other name would have been like, oh my God, maybe it's really, because that's the name of a, the name that we're not saying is the name of a fairly famous uh, uh, rap hip hop. uh, Oh, is that the name of the person that I'm looking at? Interesting. Yeah. Of of a famous rapper, not rapper, a famous um, MTV uh, rap Well, there you go. Interesting. Yeah. So next up we have, oh boy, Karen Walsh. (laughs) And there's a whole bunch of really Irish pronunciations for the county. There's no way in hell that's a real, holy, can I try that? Uh, I'm going to give it a shot. Cool roll Gragamanal. Gragamanal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just going to go with what yeah, you let's said. Do yeah. That. Holy Christ. So thanks, Karen. Uh, we hope we didn't slaughter your place name too badly. No, I leave us a voicemail if we did tell us how to pronounce it. Cause I, I'm very curious. There you go. Uh, next up we have Mark Daniel Thompson from Northville, Michigan. Hey, Thank you, Mark, for having one of the easiest names I've had to pronounce in a long time. <laughs> and one of the easiest place names. You probably still screwed. It's probably be like North. Mac. <laughs> I pronounce it Mac. <laughs> oh, here's another easy one. Kristen Randall. What's that? And she's from St. Peter's, Missouri. Oh, sweet. Well, thank you. Very, very cool. Yeah, right? Oh, here we go. Is M.O. Missouri? I'm pretty sure it is. Well, what else, what else could it be? Uh, uh, Montana? Maybe. I think Montana's M.N. or something, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's Missouri. Yeah. All right. Oh, no, we don't have to do that one because that's somebody who lessened their pledge. <laughs> All right. Uh, there is, nope, that's another one that is the same thing. Uh, from Seattle, Washington. Sweet, sweet Seattle. Keely Cooper. Another very easy name to pronounce. Wow. Thank you, Keely Cooper. People are doing favors here for you. Yeah, I love Seattle. Oh, same. Yeah. yeah. I, I go every chance that I get. Yeah. Anytime that there's an event there, you can pretty much count me in. Because it's good that, uh, 
the people of Seattle are very, very similar to the people of, of yeah. the lower mainland of the Vancouver area. So they well. broke ground on the the uh, their hockey practice rink, the NHL practice rink there. So oh, really? There is an NHL team coming to Seattle. Oh, that'll be fun. Well, it's going to be tough to cheer for the Canucks if that's a good team. Well, no. <laughs> I've just, been a Canucks fan forever. Yeah, it'll, be, it'll just be a fun rivalry. Exactly. Yeah. Kaylin Davis is our last patron for the day. And Sweet. she is from Knoxville, Tennessee. Oh, another cool place. I wonder if she knows Johnny Knoxville. Guaranteed. Guaranteed she yeah, knows Guaranteed. Him. They named the city after him. Apparently so. So, I mean, yeah, he, he when you're born, he greets you. <laughs> Thank you so much to our Donut Money donors and our patrons past and present for your pledges. That's a lot of peas that I popped. We really appreciate your support of the show. If you want to help support us, you can do so at patreon.com slash darkpoutine or for one-time support, you can send us donut money via PayPal at our email address, darkpoutinepodcast at gmail.com. If you don't, if you want to, you can email us there too. It's kind of, it's kind of the way it works. Yeah. Uh, if you don't already, it would mean a lot to us if you subscribe to the show. You can easily find us on iTunes, Podcast, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, or wherever you get your on-demand audio. Write us on podchaser.com. It's like IMDB for podcasts. We really appreciate a five-star review. Yeah. Uh, check out our website, darkpoutine.com, for show notes and other cool stuff. I'll have uh, all of the audio from um, all of the interviews uh, the interrogation mm -hmm. on on the site this mm -hmm. week. So you can listen to a lot of sobbing and sighs and not much happening. I had to edit a lot. Yeah. Uh, please give us a like or a follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for Dark Poutine. Most importantly, thank you for listening and tell your friends about us. Word of mouth is a powerful thing. Until next week, don't forget to be a good egg and not a bad apple. Bye-bye, everybody. Ciao, dear. Because Maine clam chowder. I love me some clam chowder.